If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey, welcome to We Say Things, episode 13. My name is Sunstan, joined by Cinderin. This, of course, is sponsored by Noble Chairs, but I have to say it is the final episode that we get to grace Noble Chairs' presence in our podcast. Thank you for sponsoring this podcast. And guys... If you have any sponsors out there, we're actually going to start reaching out to sponsors. I haven't been doing that, Cinder. I don't know if you're aware of that. Noble Chairs kind of just came to us. Okay, he does know that. If you guys have any inside connections for some cool companies like Totino's Pizza Rolls, for example, stuff that I like to stuff in my mouth, it is much appreciated. Just send some emails to us. Banana Hammock is also a great sponsorship. Thank you. Uh, This, of course, is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, everything, every podcast thing that you want to use. And we appreciate everybody listening in on every Tuesday at 2 a.m. PST, 11 a.m. CEST. Every Tuesday, Cinderin. We have done it every Tuesday. Can you believe 13 episodes in a row? We haven't failed. Are you excited? Unbelievable. Actually, unbelievable. I'm actually shocked. I'm not even memeing right now. I'm legit. That's when you know it's not a Dota Cinema exclusive. (laughs) That's. But it is a Dota Cinema exclusive. <laughs> that doesn't make no, any sense. Because it's also not on Dota Cinema. Oh, the audio it's portion. It's also on Dota Cinema. I see. That's a good point. Because if it you were can only find, on Dota Cinema, it wouldn't be consistent. You can find the audio for people that don't know how to use podcast stuff at sunsfan.gg slash podcast. Isn't that amazing, Cinema? Because you can also find Excellent. our Underlords podcast there as well. It's great. Terrific. Oh, yeah. I've been All listening right. to that a lot lately. I'm sure you have. Uh, we'll get how to many what episodes you've been up have you to. made? Three. Three, and they've all okay. been on different days, different times, uh, but we will start to do them on Fridays now, weekly. So I didn't actually know you. Yeah, okay. Maybe yeah, I should check with, that out. It's with Swim and uh, Zeno, actually, and we usually right, have a mind. guest. I don't need to check that out. <laughs> okay. Read some reviews, okay. Cinderin. Yep. Be yes. nice. Oh, am I reading them? I thought you were going to read them. Well, there's three. We can split them up. That's what we usually do. All right, I'll do the first one. You do the last two. Mm-hmm. I'll read the very long one. Okay. Love these guys five stars by Slack's dad. <laughs> okay. This is the best Dota podcast out there. These two guys are witty, funny, and offer insightful opinions on a variety of topics within the Dota scene and random other areas. I wish there were more episodes. Keep up the great... Well, I mean, we make one a week. Keep up the great work. I have some constructive criticism for Cinderin. Please don't take this the wrong way. I think you are great, seriously. Maybe this is a cultural I'm from NA thing. I find that Sin is so careful before he states his opinion, it can be tiring to listen to. What I mean by this is that he generally has a long preamble describing how he may or may not have a valid opinion on a topic for some reason or another. That's called acknowledging that you're not educated on a subject, so you don't say something really stupid. Uh, Wait, where is it? I understand doing this for certain topics, but it seems like Sin does this with pretty much everything. I don't think there's anything wrong with stating your opinions flat out. It's not necessarily to qualify every statement you make. Thanks for reading. Also, I really like the segment where you discuss the differences in American and Danish culture. Interested in hearing more on this. All right. Thank you very much, Slack's dad. This is a um, cool review because now we've seen both ends of the spectrum because that's one complaint of you being too conservative, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we've had another complaint early on where I just, you know, vomit something out of my mouth, basically. Uh, yeah. but I feel like that's why we work together so well because you get a little mix of both, right? 
I, I mean, I agree saying with you're what too you nice, said. By the way, I'm, I'm a, well. I mean, that's I, I wouldn't agree with that being the conclusion of that, but um, I, I don't know. I feel like, especially in this day and age, I think people just make big statements without you know, or they just have like really strong opinions mm-hmm. without reason. You know what I mean? I, I like, yes, I do know exactly what you mean because I do that all the time on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, I don't think this is specifically a Danish thing, but I th- I would definitely agree in the U.S. it's more... Um, yes. You use more hyperbole, I think, than we do mm-hmm. in Denmark. So, we like blanketing statements. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, f- from my perspective, I don't know. It's something... Because that's just something that comes really naturally to me. I don't want to say something that's completely wrong. So if I'm not educated on a subject or something, I will say this is what I think about it, but I don't know enough about it. Because I don't want to mislead people, you know? I don't want to mm-hmm. tell them something with a lot of confidence, and then I'm just wrong. Because spreading misinformation, we have enough of that already, and I don't want to continue. What a stand-up so, citizen you are. All right, next review. That's pretty much it. Yes. Uh, from B. Lards. Mildly decent for five stars. <laughs> this is the okay. best podcast available that creates human-animal hybrids by incorrectly pronouncing the names of professional athletes. Kawhi Leopard, Matt Lyon, Mike Trout... That's a real one, actually. Bradley Seal, Blake Griffin, <laughs> Damian Lizard, Giannis Antelope, and Drew Fleas. Five star. Thank you, friend. Can I just say in this list of animals that Griffin is not an actual animal? <laughs> just, just quickly get Fantasy that counts, Sindarin, all right? Okay. And last sure. one for the week uh, from Jawahalin. Uh, created NA account to review this cool podcast. Thank you, friend. Despite not playing the game for more than three years, I am following esports scene actively and watching replays of a lot of the games. Having said that, I'm listening to this podcast every week when I'm commuting to work on my one-hour flight. Damn. You have to do that many flights. That's crazy. People have been getting me, uh, giving me weird looks whenever I burst out with laughter. I find it strange, but I really like listening to you guys. Cheers to Suns fan for his laughter and all the jokes. And cheers to Cinder for being a real piece of shit. I just made that part up. That's, For his cool uh, insights, he proved many he times... He misspelled my name. That's because you're not important. Cindy Ren. For his cool Cindy insights, Ren. he proved many times that even though he spent most of his life playing Dota, he for sure has read some books and keeps interest in different things. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings from Poland. That, that is amazing. That is an amazing Dude. review. Thank you. <laughs> Literally the last time I read a full book. It's been years since I read a book. Really? Like, no That's joke. That's actually yeah. I really, that is surprising. I don't really read that much. For entertainment, I love watching streams, or if I read something, I read online, but I don't really sit down with a book and read it. It's been a long time since I read a book. It's I have read books in my life, though, so that is correct. Okay, good, very good. Good analysis. Thank you for that great review. So, again, not to keep doing this segment, Sindarin, but more stuff has happened in the NBA, as usual. Uh I don't want you to read anything yet, but first, the last thing that's happened after the last domino has finally fallen for the most part, uh, Chris Paul, aka CP3, with the second most untradeable contract in the NBA, and I say that because he's very old, but his contract is ginormous, and he had a big Mm -hmm. fight with his big bearded friend, James Harden, okay? who, now that I okay. think about it, doesn't have a nickname. Is that true? Maybe he does, and I can't think of it right now. Either way, oh, he's the beard. It's probably course. called Hard Four or something. He's the beard. So they had a big hard, fight, hard and they somehow traded Chris Paul to Oklahoma City, which he's going to be very unhappy there, for Russell Westbrook, who probably had the third or fourth most untradeable contract. But his is a little bit better because he's younger, but that roster makes absolutely no sense, Cinderin, because everybody wants the ball. It's like having two carries on the same team, 
You know what roster also made Which, no sense? What? Digital Chaos TI6, and then they got second. That's wait, what made no sense with that? That was fine. Okay, never mind. <laughs> what was wrong with that roster? What are you talking? I, now that I say you can't have two carries on the same, that's exactly what Dota is, basically. You have two carries, essentially. So forget yeah. that analogy. Um one thing that some people brought up to me is they love the fact that you mispronounce or make up these player names or whatever. I wrote down three names of players that are okay. in the league now, and I want you to try to say them out loud. Okay. These are Taco real names. Fall. Say it again. Taco Fall. Okay. His name is Taco Fall. Taco Fall. Taco. So it's like the cousin of Taco Bell. Yep. Okay. Mobamba. That's right. Mobamba. And Bol Bol? <laughs> bol Bol. Bol Bol. So this is the son. So like he's Super actually bowl. he's a rookie. His father was named Manute Bol. And he was actually a really cool guy. Very tall. I can't remember what country he's from. It's maybe I want to say Kenya, but I can't remember exactly which one. Oh, so maybe it's uh Senegal. I can't remember. One of those countries in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um where a lot of great players have actually come from. And he was very tall, like 7'6", seven, 7'7", seven, seven, which you're going to have to do the conversions on that, by the way. Wait, what? Yes, like ridiculously tall and extremely skinny, like super skinny. You need to look up the that measurements That is really this. fucking tall. I'm tall, okay? That's yes. insane. So say the measurements so the people from EU know, <clears throat> or any country that's seven, not in the U.S. Seven foot seven. Yeah. I think he's 7'6". It's like 230 centimeters. So very that, tall that's and very skinny. <laughs> so very tall. I have no idea. Very tall <laughs> and very skinny. <laughs> and he unfortunately did die not too long ago because you just have health problems with that size. But his son, yeah, Bulbul, he looks very similar to him. Super lanky, extremely tall. And I felt so bad for him because he was supposed to be drafted in the first round and they invite people. It's called the Green Room Center. They invite these players that they assume are going to be drafted in the first round. Uh-huh. But he fell deep into the second, and it was like super sad to just see him sitting there all alone. Um, hopefully he has a good career, but... He was probably easy to see, too. Yes. Uh, very, he stood out like a sore thumb, no doubt. You okay. see him sitting there, and he's still taller than the people standing next to him. That's that's actually correct. Uh, yeah. So last thing before we get started with games, I actually have an actual rant here. I thought uh-huh. of this the other day because it's it's a huge pet peeve of mine, Cinderin. I, please tell me you're in the right team here. I see the writing on the wall here. I see All the right, text. Let, please tell so me you're in the right team. I, I am on the correct team because it's the correct way to say it. Okay. So this is what we're talking about, guys. There's the word A and the word an, A-N, right? When do you use the word an, Cinderin? You use the word an when the following word begins with a, uh, with a vowel sound. With, Right. So an orange, not a orange, for example. Correct. So there's one thing where this apparently doesn't apply for some reason, and it really pisses me off. So, and I can understand if you're from the United Kingdom, that this is perfectly fine because you guys pronounce this a different way, but Americans have no excuse. The word historic, it starts with an H. You say the H, but people still say an historic for some fucking reason and it it kills me to hear this and it oh it makes me so irrationally angry Good. for people to say an historic it's 
It's horrible. And these are like presidents of the United States. And I'm not talking about the current president because he's literally just white trash. He doesn't even matter. That's a whole nother ballpark. <laughs> like actual presidents of the United States that are respectable say an historic. Why? Tell me why, Sindarin. Please. That's a really good question. Why wouldn't they say a historic when that's what it's called? I don't know. Yes. I would say a historic. Thank you. There you I'm go. I'm glad we can agree on something. At least. Okay. So at least they're. It's even worse if they say an historic. Okay, if they say an historic, <laughs> that's one thing because at least it's consistent say, with the rules. No, you're they just do saying say that, the though. word wrong. They are. They say an his an historic. No, they not say an historic. They say eh. They don't say the h. Yeah, but they're okay, American because they're at least following the rules. Then, but for some reason, the word is just losing a letter. <laughs> it's better. We both agree that it's better than if they were would say an historic, right? As an American, no. I think they're both equally god-awful, and I hate equally them. Equally bad. Okay, I mean, I, they're, they're both I bad. We it. can agree on that. Okay, moving on to Dota, yeah. my friend. Regional yes, qualifiers excellent. have occurred. Uh, I can talk about the teams that made it through. We got Mineski from SEA, Navi from CIS, which over, obviously, we talked last week about Gambit. That's the huge upset, if you will. Yep. Uh, Infamous from, uh, from South America. We got Royal Never Give Up from China, Chaos from EU, and Forward Gaming from NA. But first, let's talk about you and your experiences, Cinder. I'm sorry you didn't make it, my friend. Yeah. Tell me um, everything. <clears throat> so basically, I think I think the short way I can explain this or talk about it from my perspective is... So what ended up happening, day one, we went one and three, which puts you in a really tough position. We had to win every game on day two, and then we did. So we went four and three and got into a three-way tiebreaker for two slots. Mm-hmm. And then we lost to both teams in the tiebreaker. So we, got the, we didn't get the fourth slot. Um... Basically, the team that I had, uh, when we played our best and we had our good heroes, I think we were on a level where we could beat everyone in this tournament, maybe even more than half the time. But I think in terms of like hero depth and practice time and strategies that we had, we were just a bit limited. And we also weren't as consistent as uh, some of the better teams overall. So, you know, if you do the math on that, how many times in a row you need to roll a five or six with the dice... um, it was likely that at some point it would catch up to us. But, you know, it was still an okay showing, I think, for how short the team was together and, you know, the limitations our players had. Uh, communication was also a bit of an issue. We had <clears throat> one Kazakhstan player and one Ukrainian player. So uh, they're not as good at English as the rest of the players are. Not that that's, it's not meant to be an excuse. It's just, you know, it's a factor. Everything adds up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was that was my experience with it. Um I don't regret going for it. I think we had a pretty good shot at it with what I said. Uh, but in the end, it's not very surprising that we did not make it through. Um, what was interesting to see, though, about Chaos was that they almost got knocked out, similar to us. They were in the three-way tiebreaker as well with 4-3, and they went into day two with a 2-3 score, so they had to win both games. And then they did win both games and just picked up steam. Um they lost their first game in the in the upper bracket two to one, and then they just didn't lose a game after that. And they went two zero two zero three zero, I think. So, yeah, that was EU. <clears throat> Were you surprised by any other region? I mean, I think Royal Never uh, Give Up was. I picked them. I think that was the pretty clear for me, at least. Like the, the other organizations, was Gambit still. Well, true. Apart from that, nothing yeah. really. If it weren't to be Gambit from CIS, I would have chosen Navi or Windstrike probably, and then mm. beyond that. Yeah, it's it's kind of expected for the most part, at least from all the other regions. Yeah, and forward comes out in NA, like we said. I picked 
I think I got destroyed on my predictions, by the way. I picked Gambit, so I got that one wrong. I picked you guys. Thanks for fucking that up uh, in EU. I didn't tell you. And I, I, <laughs> I didn't pay you for that. Uh, and Beast Coast, <laughs> I picked for NA. I mean, I, I have a soft heart for my friends like you and Brax, you know. I really want these things. But I did get the rest right. So when the heart's not involved, you get things correct other than Gambit. All right. So the, the 18 teams are complete for TI-9. So that's going to be uh, pretty hardcore. Should be an interesting tournament, to say the least. Uh, collector's Cash number two came out suddenly. Very surprising, yep. actually, because we talked about this, right? How there's mm-hmm. usually been two. And like, how could they come out with a second after what they did for the first one, right? But they did, yep. and it's really good. Do you like these sets? Well, first of all, a lot of these sets are the ones that did not make it into Cash number one, right? I It's more from the list, so? if you will. I think so. I feel like I've seen this clockwork set somewhere no. before. All right, hold on. No, no? definitely not. <clears throat> Some of no? them might be. Like this first set was a Drow Ranger that Natio, my boy, made years ago for Dota Pit. Like literal three, four years ago. Okay, so they some might of them not might have be. anything to do with the cache. Yeah, some of them Wait, might there's be. Wait, the sure. there's the Necro Bird one that people were like, how did this not make it into the cache? Right, right? yeah, that one's from the last one. So, yeah. so there's definitely something here that is from the last cache. Okay, uh, overall... Mm. I think this was better than Wait, Cash I One. Need, to be perfectly honest, I need to honest. find Cash One so I can just compare them quickly. Sure. Okay, I'll, I'll talk I'm about the ones that I really them. like. Then uh, the first of all, the Warlock oh, yeah, Golem is easily the best in the game now. I feel like this Gorilla. It's like Axe on crack, like we talked about, right? It's Axe's mm-hmm. little brother now. I love that one, even though I don't play the hero. Uh, obviously, the tribute to Total Biscuit with the Pudge set. That's amazing. That's really cool, uh, especially like the bow tie specifically. Um, I mean, all these sets are really high quality. Like the Necker one you talked about is amazing. Uh, Ember Spirit is by far the best Ember Spirit set now. He has nunchucks. Like that is god tier. That's like the coolest weapon in the game. Honestly, they haven't made a, a custom sound for it yet, though. As far as right. I'm aware, they'll probably do that. Uh, I think. I hope so. People do. really want it. And then the Juggernaut, which is the ultra rare. I didn't get either of these rares, but the Juggernaut looks yeah, pretty neither. filthy as well. Uh. Really like good the hyperstone, chest. Um, <clears throat> the hyperstone on the chest that radiates. It looks cool. Mm. It's a cool idea. Uh, I'm comparing it to Collector's Cash 1. I still think out of all the cash sets, my overall favorite is probably still the Rubik uh, from the first cash. I really like that set. Um, didn't okay. get it, though. Uh, but that one's cool. In this one, the Nunchuck is, the nunchuck is cool. Uh, I think out of all of the Nun rares in this chest, my favorite is probably the Wraith King, actually. Uh, really or the maybe the abaddon the abaddon one is really nice too wow okay yeah the so slacks Uh, was getting very upset about the the abaddon one because it turns him into a night elf i personally love it i don't give a shit about the lore though i I think it's (laughs) i think it looks really cool i'm saying you really Uh, like the uh, wraith king really wow that was probably my least favorite in this set i think the wraith king is pretty cool um also i like the warlock golem a lot and the clockwork yeah, the, cool. the cogs are really cool on that set. The thing that's a bit of a shame is when you look at... I I also actually... I want to say one more set. I think the Shadowfiend set is really cool. But unfortunately, it's hard to use. The like the coolest asset of it doesn't really work with the... <clears> because <throat> the, the hero already has an Arcana and an Immortal, right? Yeah. And you can't, you can't mix and match this in the way that you really want. So that's a shame. Because the Shadowfiend, I think, has only... He has three item slots, I think. And the two really, really? cool ones on this set... I think so. Let me check him now. Uh, yeah, the the two really cool ones on this set are the arms and the head, 
and they have an immortal and an arcana. So you're yeah. left with only getting the shoulders, which are also really cool. Oh, actually, never mind. You get the shoulders. I was going to say the shoulders so and the I, head are cool. This so has been bad. this has been um, requested before or suggested, I guess is a better way to put it. And I totally agree with this. Uh, I feel like the effects from immortals should just be, you should be able to apply them to any item you want. Because I want to mm. be able to, like, I, there's so many times that I'm like, this item looks so cool, but I can't use it because I have an immortal on that slot. So mm -hmm. just switching that over, I, I don't even care about the passive effects from Immortals. It's more the active skill changes. And uh, if they don't want to do it cool. with the Immortals because it's too much work, they could at least do it with the Arcanas, right? Sure, but there's not that Let many the Arcana keep all of their effects, and then kind of just every hero that gets an Arcana gets an Arcana slot, if you know what I mean. So mm -hmm. then you can still equip an item with the Arcana or something like that. That would be one way of doing it. Yeah, that could be. Because there's a lot of immortals by now in the game. Right. I don't know how much work that would be uh, to like separate these things, animations and stuff. Not sure. Maybe it's super easy. So moving on, uh, the spring cleaning, which everybody wanted, is now the summer scrub. <laughs> well done, Valve. Basically, mm -hmm. uh, they just want bug reports and quality. The quality of life stuff is always the coolest because those are like some of my favorite Reddit threads. Are some of these quality of life changes that people create and like they need to put this in the game and a lot of times they do yeah. so looking forward to that uh this there's friday there's a lot of be... really good suggestions by the way yes i agree maybe we should have highlighted some of them but we didn't so this friday there will be an <laughs> update with the kid invoker hero persona so we talked about how many features aren't out yet right mm -hmm. tiny is still one of them and this invoker is another big one we're at 29 million what did you predict again I don't remember. 31 or 32, I think. So we are at 29 million with, is it a month? It's a full month to go, I'm pretty sure. Full month, yeah. I, do you, are you sticking with your number? It's uh, definitely higher than that, right? I think it will be higher. I mean, I'm not going to change it, right? I've That's said fine. What I, thought. I said 35. Exactly. We'll see. I think you said, yeah, you said 35. I think it's likely going to be in between, I think, our two predictions. But it's probably going to be closer to yours. Mm. That's what I'm guessing. Okay. We'll see, yeah, Cinder. We'll, see. we'll have a great it podcast. It could even be more. Way. Like, who knows? If it's more, I you know, win, like by we've the way. Talked, That's how it works. Like we've talked about, it's kind of up to Valve, right? They are in, you know, they're in control of it because they can create something that there's a lot of demand for if they want mm. to bump it past a certain amount for whatever reason. Yeah, but they're required um, to put out a lot of these items because they advertise them already. Of course. The, the stuff that's advertised has to go in. <clears throat> but you know, if they wanted to go for forty million for whatever reason, they could put in some crazy offers like well, of more course. of those. You know, they could just print money with it. If you of. want a level five hundred courier with Gabe's face on it, uh, that pretty much gets you to forty million alone. So, <laughs> or a Gabe hero, literally sell a hero. That's how you get fifty million, right? That is like, how you get a lot of community outrage selling a hero. That's that. right, but you get to fifty million, and that's all that matters, right? Because TI is the only thing that matters this year. I think Valve would get more shit for that than anything ever. <laughs> I think that that is the number one thing that the community prides itself on the most is that you can play the entire game for free. Right. If they implemented something that you couldn't play for free, holy shit, dude. Yeah. I kind of want to watch it. I kind of want them to do it just to see. <laughs> and then they can backtrack after. It's an experiment see. of sorts. I mean, I, I can tell you this from experience, my friend, that Han did this already. They went free to play, mm -hmm. and then they switched it up at the last moment. So... It, it's been done and it was a disaster. So <laughs> That's real bad. Uh, That's so real se bad. Also, 7.22E came out. I don't know if you even want to talk about anything that uh, uh, maybe stands out to go you. Over, 
Yeah, there's Stout a shield doesn't actually. stack anymore. That's that's pretty. Oh, I want to start nice to even see. higher up. Actually, I want to start with the first change of the patch. Sure. Low ground miss and miss debuff chance is now pseudo random. Can I just say that I'm a huge fan of pseudo random <laughs> as a concept in games? Mm -hmm. I love this a lot more than true random because if there's explain, one thing that people, sorry, explain what okay. pseudo random is for people that maybe aren't familiar. So, with so basically, <clears throat> true random is what most people just call random. It's like you roll the dice and you have one six of getting a six, right? One in six chance. With pseudo random, every time you roll the dice uh, or the die, every time you roll the die and you don't get a six, the chance on your following roll that it's a six is higher. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you roll the die a thousand times, you will still get sixes one sixth of the time so basically your first roll has a lower chance than one sixth of being a six and then every time you roll it and it's not a six the chance increases and then when you do get a six the counter resets it's literally so escalating odds aka chess it's, right <laughs> it's a way it's a way of trying to balance out the randomness so that you don't get five crits in a row on pa and win the game because that's mm -hmm. extremely unlikely with pseudo random uh, but at the same time it's also protection that you don't hit 25 times in a row with PA and get zero crits. So it kind of like is there anything... it normalizes randomness. Right. That's a good way to put it. Really normalize it. Is there anything in the game that's not pseudo-random right now? That uh, you think there's they still could some things. Uh, like anything major, maybe. I think Void's backtrack talent is still true random. Hmm. I want to say. Um, I feel like most of the is, aggressive know, ones they've changed at this point, right? Yeah, that one's more I think of a passive, they made, uh, defensive. At at this point, I think every crit in the game is pseudo-random. I want to say at least. I think every bash is pseudo-random. Mm. Uh, most evasion, I think, is pseudo-random. There's still elements of true random in the game, like runes are true random, with the only exception that the same rune can't spawn twice. I've pitched pseudo-random runes, but that has not been implemented. Uh, Wait, how would that I think work? that would actually be a cool... So if, you know, if the rune is a haste, then the next rune can't be haste, oh. but it can be all the others. Yeah. Then let's say the next rune is a DD. Now the third rune has a lower chance of being a haste right. than any of the other runes, right? So you could make like an array where it just checks what the previous runes were. Do you think uh, that lower matters that much? Um, I suggested it because there was specifically a time in Dota where it actually meant so much for mid lane that it was like haste, DD, haste, DD could just decide a game because some mm. runes are just inherently better than others in the early game, right? Uh, every rune is good, though, in, in different situations. It's just some runes are, on average, worse, right? Illusion rune is, on average, worse than DD in Dota. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that would be one way of, of doing that. What's the um, worst rune? Do you think Illusion yeah. is the worst rune, if you had to choose? I know that everything's overall, situational. Yes. Yeah, overall, agree. yes. Yeah, exactly, because it's situational, right? Because sometimes Illusion rune wins the game. You make, like, a bait, and the enemy uses two big ulties on an Illu or whatever. Yep. You know, that, exactly. that thing happens, but... Um, yeah, okay, so in terms of pseudorandom, we had one more thing getting pseudorandom, which was Lycan's crit. That was true random until now in Shapeshift. Mm -hmm. Now it's also pseudorandom. Uh, like you said, Stout Shield no longer stacks. I think that's fine. It's kind of a gimmick that started being used a lot. People go to Stout Shields and just cut creep waves, which is pretty dumb. Uh, so I'm fine mm -hmm. with that. Uh, and, and it then... finally ends the question, do Stout Shields stack? It's still a question that's yeah. asked every time somebody picks it up. <laughs> now now you can just flat out say no, and you can that's write right. in the item text. Uh, just a quick mention of some big hero changes. Centaur got nerfed pretty hard. Um, what, every, hero, what players have been patch. doing recently, they've been going 1-4-4 build. So you get the high damage output from both damage spells. But now that Hoofstomp has a 22-second cooldown instead of 13 on level 1, you kind of have to level it so you get more stuns in the fight. Mm -hmm. And that means that the sacrifice you're making is going to be double-edge. So people are probably going to go from 144 to 414 build. That's a really big nerf. 
Uh, Iron Shell got nerfed again for whatever fucking reason. Darkseid is fucking dying, man. Uh, Ember can no longer slide a fist in Roots, which is irrelevant in some games and really relevant in other games. It means you can buy Rod of Atos against this hero to counter it pretty effectively. Uh, heroes that have strong roots like Crystal Maiden can suddenly be really good against Ember because you can frostbite him and then ulti, and you know he that... can't dodge half your ulti with Slide of Fist. Uh, I always thought a it was a bug with target. that he could use Slide of Fist. Oh, that's always been intended. So strange. But yeah. yeah, it's a good way of nerfing the hero. Uh, and then I guess the final big nerf that I want to mention is Io got butchered in lane, <clears> uh, which I don't <throat> mind because I'm not an Io player, but if I were an Io player, I would probably feel like, wow, this fucking sucks. This is insane. Mm. Tether heals 60% on level 1 instead of 90, which is mm. crazy. This hero is so much worse now. It's not. It's like, it's actually but insane how much As you level, it ends up being the same, at least. In the end, it's the same, but the way IOs were generally leveling was 144 or maybe 244. Uh, and now you kind of have to put in extra value points in Tether. So it's similar logic to Centaur, where, well, what's going to suffer? It's probably going to be your overcharge. So then that's going to be way worse in the mid game. Um, finally. One or two noteworthy buffs, I suppose. Uh, actually, Morph got reworked a little bit. Let's mention that too. Scepter no longer reduces cooldowns, so this should probably affect your Ags list. I'm not updating it the, again. The <laughs> the Morph Ags is a lot worse now. Uh, mm -hmm. What it does now is that you can target allies, which was what the level 20 talent gave you. Um, and then you still get the cast range on it, but you don't get the cooldown reduction, which is now a level 20 talent, but only gives 15% instead of 35. Right. Uh, so overall, Morph has some interesting choices now on level 15 or level 20 by taking a CDR talent and then not going Ags, because now you can have cooldown reduction on your other spells instead of only the stolen ones mm -hmm. um, with the Ags. So you have a better a better waveform and you have a better adaptive strike and a better Morph cooldown. But yeah, the Ags is worse. They also nerfed uh, Exorcism with Ags, right? From two true. times yeah. damage to 1.75. That's true. I don't so. think it shifts it too much, but it makes it worse, of course. Um, it's funny they go with Decimal because really they've been trying to go away from Decimals in the, in the recent past. Yeah, that's true. Uh, quick noteworthy buffs. There are obviously a lot of other changes. Uh, actually, okay, one more nerf now that I see it. Spirit Breaker Charge. Uh, went from 11 second cooldown to 17 minus 2 per level. So again, same logic as Centaur and Io. Now mm -hmm. you probably have to level up your charge a bit when before the preferred build was 144 or 244. Uh, people might start maxing charge over Bulldoze, which is a really strong spell. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, the buffs I quickly wanted to mention were... Uh, let me see. Venge got 2 int again. So in the last 2 patches, Venge has got 2 damage and 4 intelligence. Which, wow. you know, these base stat changes are actually really important because they it affects every game, every build, uh, everything. So I think Venge is slowly getting, becoming good. And in my opinion, the hero's only true weakness is the laning stage. I think the hero's just strong. Mm -hmm. It has minus armor, it has plus damage for the team, and it has swap, which is one of the best support ultis in the game because it's flexible. It's offensive and defensive at the same time. There's not that many spells like that. So this hero is... Is getting somewhere, and it might be a really big pick at TI. Venge is like a TI stable, so I don't mind. It's always been like a great support hero. What do you think of this uh, this Gust talent? Thirty percent Gust uh, mischance at fifteen. It's a bit weird. I don't really like it that much. That's the draw change of the patch. It got another talent buff on level fifteen as well. Uh, I don't know. I I don't really like it so much, but I think the other talent was also kind of dumb. It was kind of grief almost. Sometimes the mm. Gust talent was actually working against you. So yeah. I didn't like that talent that much. Um, one more hero I want to mention, the buff for Mirana. Got three base intelligence, and arrow deals 30 more damage level one. Um, and then 
20 more damage level 2, 10 more damage level 1, same da or level 3, same damage level 4. And then it has lower cooldown on higher levels as well. So Mirana got a pretty serious buff on the arrow. And Visage is the final one. Grave Chill 6 seconds on all levels, and then the values have been tweaked. So it's worse in terms of how much attack speed and move speed enemies lose in lane, but since it lasts longer, it's more annoying, probably. And then the max values are better on everything. So I think this is actually a pretty big buff to Visage that we saw in this patch. Okay. Cool. That was kind of a quick rundown of the bigger things. <clears throat> Very cool. Yeah. So this is probably the last patch until TI, I would think, right? Uh, minus like very minor bug fixes. I think we'll get a 722F. That's really okay. TI is cool. one month away. Yeah, maybe we'll get an F in like one week with like some minor tweaks and bug fix or whatever, if there is something like that. But that's it. Yeah, we won't get right. 723. I agree with that. So moving on to Moonduck related stuff, Midas Mode 2. Uh, did you see this trailer, by the way? The, uh, the Roshan. The one with VR? the Roshan? Yeah, I saw, I saw that one. <clears throat> it looks funny. <laughs> so for those that haven't seen it, uh, there's going to be VR. For VIP members at the Midas Mode uh, tournament, which is going to be in Colorado. It's already sold out, by the way, so don't try to buy it. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's sold out instantly. Oh. But essentially, you'll be able to put on a VR headset and use Roshan. You'll be Roshan, and you can beat the shit out of pro players. So that's the idea. <laughs> uh, hopefully, it works correctly, but it, in theory, sounds amazing. I can't wait for that. Also, we're still organizing and we'll be advertising a little bit more in the future for the TI-9 Jungle Jam that we talked about last uh, week. So for those that are in the area or those that want to hang out, uh, make sure to buy a ticket for the TI-9 Jungle Jam. We get to hang out with some cool people like myself, Cinderin. Uh, oh, that's... <laughs> it, it just bring... I told somebody to bring me Krispy Kreme. I'll give them a hug mm -hmm. for that. That's hug worthy right oh. there. By the way, have you had Krispy Kreme? Out of curiosity, I have. I have. Yeah. Ooh. I think. And? Do you 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 remember you remember this? We did the segment at one of the hubs for TI, which was I yes. eat different fast food and rate it. Yeah. A Krispy Kreme, I give it five out of five. I think. <laughs> that's right. Sure. I, I think it got that. the highest score. Yeah. yeah it is delicious. delicious. It's just pure yeah. sugar. I love it. All right. Last thing, Dota related. Chessy, did you read this twit longer from him? Essentially, mm -hmm. kind of gave a rundown. I would say it's a lot like what we talked about in the past, how the the money and the lifestyle for tier two, tier three players is pretty much it's at getting to the point of being unlivable. Uh, and he's talking yep. about, you know, now that he's getting older, it's just getting harder and harder to actually just make a living out of this, which is a real shame considering how much money is technically in the scene that's not really yep. being shared around at all. Do you have any comments I mean, about this? He's kind of echoing a lot of the stuff we talked about, right? And then the difference here is he's adding his own personal experience. Like, he's giving some numbers on how much prize money they've made. He's giving some, you know, just... It's it's more like a... How to say? It's a bit more personal than the way we've talked about it. We've talked about it just from, like, an objective standpoint of how we think uh, you should distribute and try to help the Tier 2 scene. And his is just, you know... It just... It's, a, it's great to have more cases, right? That show mm -hmm. that we're there's a high chance that we're right about what we're talking about basically when when there's more people chiming in and giving their take on it and it's basically the exact same thing that we've been saying already so i think it's great that he made the statement obviously what players probably think about when they make these statements and that might make a lot of players hesitate to say something like this is the backlash where people are just like lol just play better noob you know you're just not fucking good enough to play tier one dota yeah. i mean while that may be true is it fair that the tier one sits on like more than literally 99% of the financial year in Dota or should tier two also, you know, get a piece of the pie. Um, right. And then there's I think players that might like, repel uh, some people. 
Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. One thing is the community reaction where you're like, oh, it's so hard being a tier two player. And maybe some people are also a bit concerned about speaking up about this because they wonder what it makes them look like for potential tier one teams that in some future would want to play with them. If it makes them look mm. weak, if it makes them look like they just don't have what it takes or, you know, whatever it could be. Like, I can understand people maybe hesitating a bit about this, but I think it's really good that he made a statement. I don't think any less of him as a player for it. Uh, and I think it's very important to, you know, to, to talk about it so that we can we can develop so, the scene. Remember our conversation really the other week about the TI prize pool distribution that you ended up getting on Reddit, actually, your comment uh, about mm-hmm. how we feel like yeah. it should be helping the tier two scene. I was actually a little surprised and very disappointed with a lot of the people that were commenting that... And th- this is the thing that really gets to me is there's some people, I'm not going to say who, that are figures, let's call them, who somehow are spouting out things that are just 100% not true. It's like they don't understand the game at all and how things affect. It's like a domino effect, you know? And it, mm-hmm. to think that TI should have a $40 million prize pool or whatever the fuck it's going to be and think that that's good. You're just wrong. I mean, I, I don't know what I to mean, say. I mean, it is it is good if everything else is upscaled too. Well, of right? course, it's if the argument course. is we want TI to be as big as possible, fine. But can the rest keep up? If Valve were like, you know what, we're gonna make TI as big as possible. We're also gonna start selling a season pass that has all sorts of cool shit, so that majors and minors can be worth multiple million too. So that in comparison, TI isn't everything. Sure, is that feasible? Probably not. <laughs> like that's the issue, right? Well, the reason I... TI is so huge is that. When you look across the fiscal year in Dota from the community standpoint, all of the really cool shit is in the battle pass, right? Mm-hmm. And if you start putting cool shit previously or earlier on in the year in multiple other battle passes for majors and minors and whatnot, TI will will lose because people don't have infinite money and can't just buy all the shit. So they're gonna look like they're gonna look at their year, they're gonna look how much money do I have to spend? I want cool stuff in Dota for fifty dollars, for a hundred dollars, for twenty dollars, whatever you want to buy it for, right? You're gonna look where do I get most for my money? It's going to be in the TI battle pass. So I just don't think that's a solution. And I think keeping on making this tournament bigger and bigger and bigger relative to everything else just makes it more problematic. You know? Well, I and mean, the, I'm not... Okay, this is the thing I want to clarify here. I don't think that... Like, we can come up with suggestions, Sindarin and I. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying either of us have this actual solution exactly right. Yeah. The idea that TI is just... It's hurting the tier two, tier three scene quite a bit. I mean, the fact that Moon Meander can't even get paid, for God's sake, in the last like two years, that's a complete joke. That's, that is a separate issue that doesn't really I have feel anything to do with TI, though. It's still a, it's a byproduct in a lot of ways, right? I mean, we're talking about specific instances, a lot of dominoes falling and whatnot. You're right, it's separate, but it's related so, to a degree, oh, actually, I feel like. So what do you mean by that? I just want to make sure I understand it. You think the reason that he, in the end, let's call it what it is, if he hasn't been paid his prize money for winning a tournament, he's been scammed, right? Mm. If the end outcome is that he gets scammed, what you're saying is because TI is so big that it's really hard for other tournaments to flourish, they end up with a really bad bottom line, and then they start getting tempted by the stuff where, you know, maybe we can get away with it, because if we just pay people what they won, our tournament actually ran in a serious minus. Is that what you mean? Look at GESC. Look at me, for God's sake. I went in debt. For a fucking tournament. A minor. Like, I get nothing out of it. Like, there's no incentive. I mean, this is... Everything's related to TI at the end of the day. That's what I'm trying to say. TI is the big Mm -hmm. domino. And whether you think something is directly related or not, it is in some way. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. 
okay. and I'm not saying we have the solution. It something needs to be done though. This is really bad. And I was really so disappointed the, with that Reddit thread. Very, very So the options that we have laid out basically, like to make it really simple, there's a couple of options, right? Number one is cap TI's prize pool and make all the additional proceeds go toward funding the rest of the competitive year. Mm -hmm. The other one is let TI continue as it is, but then invests a lot more and make more content for the rest of the year that people can then buy into. And then probably what's going to happen is that TI will stop breaking records naturally because people are spending more money in the rest of the year. But then mm -hmm. the question is, is that a problem that TI doesn't keep breaking records every year? Um, and a third option, or actually those are the two primary ones, right? And let's say, I guess, let's just I say guess they put like a, cap. a hybrid solution. Well, there, yeah, of course, there's always going to be could, a hybrid. You could have a hybrid solution where instead of capping TI, you just have... Uh, 12.5% go toward the TI prize pool and 12.5% go toward funding the rest of the year, just as an example, right? Like mm -hmm. then there's technically no cap, but they too just grow hand in hand when people buy Battle Pass. No, that's right. another way of doing it. For like example. just for instance, and I know we talked about this before, how maybe they don't want to do this after the fact, after the Battle Pass has been mm -hmm. released, which I agree to yeah. a certain degree, I guess. Don't think there would actually be an outcry, honestly, but I understand their perspective why they wouldn't do it. But in theory, if this was capped at 30 million, it goes to 35. That's 5 million extra distributed throughout the year. That's yeah. a shit ton in the grand scheme of things, considering how little money there is for everything else. Right. So and this is this is the TI this is the TI vacuum, if you want to call it that. Then when it comes to the rest of the year, the question is let's say we have X million to spend on the rest of the year. How do you spend it? That's a totally different ballpark though. Should it go to qualifiers for teams that make playoffs and qualifiers but don't qualify? Should there mm -hmm. be more money in the minors and majors? Should there be invested into having just flat out more teams at tournaments? That's something you could do if you had X million more for the majors and minors. Maybe majors could have uh, or maybe TI could have more teams. Maybe the major could have more teams. Maybe the minors could have more teams so that, again, more teams get the opportunity to go to these t events. I personally think it's a shame that minors always only have eight teams. I think it's supposed to be for, you know, for these tier two teams to have a chance. But what generally ends up happening is, well, whoever doesn't qualify for the major ends up just destroying these minor teams, right? NIP, they didn't make the major, they will make the minor. Alliance, they didn't make the major, they will make the minor. Gambit, they didn't make the major, they make the minor. So in the end, there's like this one extra team that is kind of tier 1.5 will just still dwarf out the tier 2 teams and the problem persists. But what if we had money so that we could have 16 teams in the minors? Then I think those extra teams that you add will actually be competing with each other and take turns. I don't think consistently in this season, for example, that Final Tribe would always go to the minor. I think Final Tribe would have gone a couple of times and other times they would have lost to one of the other teams, right? So there's mm -hmm. like this natural competition and building and they get to go. Uh, but it's just the slot allocation and the number of slots just makes it so hard. And Europe is my region, right? So that's where I can relate and understand it the best. And it's also just unfortunate in a sense that the region is as stacked as it is. Because what if it wasn't? Right. Um, but yeah, you get the idea. And it's probably fairly similar in other regions, right? So, so. The, so the issue, and this is the last thing I'll say on anything Dota related for now. Uh, Valve has a reputation and we know they, they love being hands-off, right? And I can understand mm -hmm. from yeah. their company perspective why they wouldn't want to be involved in this kind of stuff because we talk mm -hmm. about how great Valve is versus like somebody like Riot because we would never want to go down that road. But again, I've said this time and time again, that is both extremes. That's one end of yeah. each extreme. It's okay to come a little bit, just like 10% yeah. with just a little extra structure similar to other uh, games. And yep. this would be a perfect example of that, but and even if you want but to outsource course, that to another company, that's also fine. I don't care who it is, personally. Just something needs to be done. I mean, it's very 
important for the the health of the ecosystem of this game i feel like going forward but i i really think what you said earlier kind of hit the nail on the head of what of one of the one of one of the big problems is is how difficult it seems to be for tournament organizers to make a profit that means that if you do want bigger tournaments with more teams or you know whatever it is the tournament organizers can't afford it so you can't profile your tournament on being a 16 team minor and then the extra eight teams that you bring and the extra content you get is not going to pay the costs mm -hmm. so if you do want more of a, a competitive scene the money has to come from valve and or the community right uh, because the organizers, we don't want to run our organizers bankrupt. We don't want to tell them, guys, you just have to run these tournaments. I mean, it's, they're not going to do it, right? But it's also bad for the scene if if teams, uh, if organizers like ESL or Starladder or PGL or whatever end up being forced to run tournaments that don't make a profit, they're just going to run something else. Like, That's what ESL is do doing. Dota, they're running their yeah, own shit, ES right? ESL are not running majors anymore. They're running, uh, they're running their own Dota didn't tournaments. P didn't but they PGL are not stop PPC. doing tournaments too? They're doing other games uh, now. I think they're doing other games in addition, right? They did the minor, the PGL minor. I was there in January. So they've done but at least one this compared year. Compared to Bucharest other minor. years, how many tournaments did they do last year? Like four big tournaments? Yeah, they might have done less this year. That's possible. Like, um, I think they're just getting out of Dota, honestly. That's my But guess. I think what, ES, what ESL are doing, right, is that they, they've made ESL Birmingham, for example. They keep running their flagship ESL tournaments with a quarter million or half million prize pool, however much it is. Maybe it's actually one million even. Uh, but it's not part of the DPC system. The tournaments they've run this year have been zero DPC tournaments, I think, this season. Mm -hmm. Yep. I don't think there's been a single ESL one. And now and that's not know, on Facebook. <laughs> and I just and now that it's not on Facebook, they also, you know. I just I I feel like these things can be combined with some communication and some work from both sides and it can make things better. Like we can have these really good organizers that have a reputation of being able to run good tournaments, be interested in running Dota again, but there needs to be an incentive. It needs to, you know. They make money. That's what companies do. It's the same with Valve. Valve also does stuff for making money. And this is where the, the challenge maybe comes in. Do Valve think it's profitable and worth it, even, even if it makes a short-term loss for them? Do they feel like the longevity of the game is increased by doing the things we're talking about? Or is it not profitable anyway? Mm -hmm. And then they wouldn't need to do it, right? And that's something they need to decide. But it's very clear what the community wants. Like, I... The amount of people that are taking a stand and talking about this this year compared to previous years is much bigger. There's much more attention to sustainability, tier two teams, uh, you know, livelihood of players. So I think I'm very cautiously optimistic that in the next season and going forward, we will be uh, working on this uh, becoming more sustainable for not the absolute. So that, that's the other thing is it's a constant tweak as well. Nothing's going to be perfect. There's always going to be something wrong, and I know it's probably annoying from Val's perspective. Every year we're complaining about something new, you know. Yeah, but I mean, I mean oh, we care about the health of the game long term. So I think that's the nature of every time you have a complex system or something big with a lot of people involved. There's yeah. always going to be stuff that needs improvement and can be better. And can Unless be you're the NBA, which is perfect on all levels. My God, what Absolutely. great drama. All right, moving on. Dota perfect. Underlords came out with a proto pass. Have you seen this yet? Yes, I have played a little bit. Oh, really? I am what now do you think Grifter 3. Nice, bro. Yeah. I got to Big Boss 4 and then I plummeted to Big Boss 1 again and I got oh, very shit. sad. Uh, how back fast to do you now, drop? Though. Like, how many games do you it's, need to lose to drop a rank? So I was very close to Big Boss 5, probably one win away, based on my intuition. Mm -hmm. uh, and I got two bottom twos in a row, and I dropped to Big Boss 2. Then I got another... Wow, so you drop one per loss. You I, drop one rank. There was one Holy time, shit. I don't know if it was a bug, I dropped two ranks in one game. 
from getting eighth place. Because I think for some reason, wow. the MMR system right now, in most of my games, whether I'm Big Boss 4 or not, I am always, almost always, like number one or number two in terms of rank. And it's always like super low rank people under me. So uh -huh. I, I don't know if it's because all these people that are like made it to Lord, they're just playing with each other in private lobbies, which I do see that a lot. So that has something to do with it, I'm sure. Could be. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not running into higher ranks, which is a huge detriment. So if I screw up one game, I get yeah. destroyed, you know? I mean, that was but basically anyway. one of the problems in... Uh, that was why in Dota Auto Chess, in Dota, in the custom game with the, with the ranking system there, that it was kind of impossible to reach beyond, let's yeah. say, what was it? You couldn't get Queen from just queuing. You had <clears> to <throat> do in-house because... Yep. The games you were matched with, the players were so low ranked that if you didn't get top two every single game, you would lose rank from getting third. I don't even think you could get Rook play. in that game so, without private lobbies. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, true. That's yeah, Rook's what it was. Yeah. Uh, so agree. the proto pass is essentially like a it's a prototype battle pass, if you will. Everybody gets yep. it for free. Uh, you get things like I mean, they came out with daily challenges, which I've been easily finishing actually for the most part. Things like deal X amount of damage for the day or kill this many units blah 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 um you can unlock a lot of cool rewards uh such as win streak effects respawn effects uh new banners so they're finally bringing kind of cosmetics there's a new terrain it's not out yet but you get it pretty early only at level five which i've already achieved uh, mm -hmm. it's like a very bright version of the the map if you will and i'm very excited for that to come out uh, you get new yo's, which is probably the best thing. You get, instead of yo, it'll be ow or oi, 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 oi. So excited for that. It's uh, so weird. Like, isn't, <laughs> okay, doesn't that say something about video games in general? That that stupid little thing that you can press a message and it says yo yeah. gets used so much and is actually fun to do. Yes, I find is. myself clicking that and then when I think about it, I'm like, why the fuck am I enjoying this so much? Because we're all immature. <laughs> That's it's all. So, that's what it comes down funny. to. Yeah, it's really good. But yeah, so they came out with a bunch of cosmetics that you can unlock via the battle pass, and of course, you know, future ones. <coughs> excuse me, future ones will okay. probably cost money and whatnot. But yeah, uh, for a prototype, I am very pleased. Uh, would you agree? I agree, uh, and I think something to something to keep in mind about this, right, is Psst. everything. Psst. Everything we see about. Um, <laughs> Everything we see about Underlords, like in isolation with the game, they're making really good things happen. Like they're making good decisions. They're being very active with balancing. They're being very active with making content. They're being, you know, adding these new things and testing it and whatnot. From a company perspective, I think there's something like bigger than the game itself that is happening at Valve after our Artifact, right? And you have to, if you look at this with what's happening with Underlords and it goes well, this is going to impact Valve's future titles too. Yep. Because they have, they're a very data-driven company. So they're going to be like, okay, Artifact is what failed completely, and this is why. Underlords was really successful, and this is why. And the moment they can like draw the data and they can see, okay, this many people are doing this much and buying this much stuff, and the reception of the community is this good compared to this. Uh, it's like, you know, it's kind of weird to say it, but it's like they've learned their lesson, you know? And we're like talking about this like the community people because we, we know way less about programming and systems and all of the structure that they put put into the games than they do, but it's very clear to everyone that that game was a mess and what was the problem is pretty obvious by now, right? So it's great. It's just great to see that they have learned from that mistake on their new title. 
And the downside to this is the Dota community right now is up in arms because no, don't forget about us. You're spending all the time on artifact or on underlords, but you know it's it's like different teams and different people working on stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to remember that maybe they're spending a bit more energy on underlords. I wouldn't blame them if they are. It's a new title that needs love, and they don't want another failure story. So perhaps they're drawing in extra manpower for it. Um, but yeah, it's that's that's basically it. I'm I'm really excited to see how positive outcomes from this is going to affect future stuff that they release and also what they put into dota right because it could spill over if they do some stuff in art and underlords that works out really well mm -hmm. uh this could also implement what we see in dota in the future so i mean some of the underlords themselves which have yet to be released could become heroes potentially as for well. example but i still or want maybe some of the Khan. systems like in some of the systems that are in the battle pass or whatever uh obviously yeah. clearly inspired by dota but it could become like symbiotic where they influence each yeah, other for sure perhaps. all right moving on to our fun yeah. section uh Woo! so this question was from base pinda i always one of wondered my mods and longtime subscribers in my oh, twitch stream there you go i always wondered how pro players slash talent wanted to be approached by fans what fans can do and what they can't this is a great question why didn't you uh, just fucking ask me in my stream for all of these months? <laughs> <laughs> so if I can go first yeah. and then you can follow up perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, sure. So the main thing that I've noticed, and obviously I, I guess I should give my perspective on it because I don't consider myself a, I'm sure, God, what's the best way to put this? The first few times I went to TI and I was recognized, I probably came off as being like a rude person because... Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, but in like, I wasn't trying to be rude. It's more I feel un I felt uncomfortable that people recognize me. Very uncomfortable mm -hmm. feeling, and and I'm also introverted by nature, right? So both of those things yeah. I've gotten used to a little better. I've been able to talk to people a little bit better now. So what I've noticed with fans coming up, the only negative uh, experiences I've had is when. In some cases, and it's usually for somebody else, like a Slacks, for example, and not me, but sometimes it is with me, mm -hmm. where the the person feels that they know us very personally, so mm -hmm. they can make fun of us in person, and it usually does not go go over very well. And of course, Slacks and myself will put on a good face, but yeah. in the reality of the situation, you don't know us. You shouldn't be insulting us as if we're okay with it. Like me insulting you is completely different than some fan yeah. coming up to you insulting you. That's, I think, of the course. biggest disconnect that I've noticed for people coming up to us at events. So that's what I, I would say is the, the main one for me. Yeah. Um, and you? Yeah, so generally what I've noticed, actually fan interactions that I really enjoy is... Um, you know, because there's there's like two ends of the spectrum, right? There's the people that are completely starstruck and just very nervous, shaking, and just you know happy to meet you, which is it's all good, right? Like it's it's understandable if if people are nervous and they still find the courage to go because it's something big for them. And I really appreciate that people still do it even if they're worried because you know yeah, those are the coolest moments, honestly. It's yeah. it, it's really that's that's totally cool. Something I also like though is people that just come over and are just themselves and just have a conversation, like. Hey, you know, it's it's like you are you're identifying that obviously in the situation, like in the in the arena or whatever, we are, you know, personalities or stars or whatever you want to say, but we're still people too. And people just not being 
too crazy or being too careful with what they can or can't say or being very, very worried and just be keeping it extremely minimal. I personally don't have a problem with someone coming over and being like, hey, man, I love your work. Uh, and just talking about something with Dota, like, what do you think about that last game? How was that? You know, this kind of stuff. Whereas other yeah. people are very, very careful or very worried and they just come over and they kind of just shakingly hand you a notebook and just hope that you give them a signature and then they just say thank you and walk away, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, which, like I said, also no problem with that. What I would say is a don't do is, first of all, what you said with. We have a persona or a character or whatever, but it's still different when you're there in real life, like. Real life is not Twitch chat. So if you write something in Twitch chat and you're like, oh, when I meet this person in real life, I can just say the same thing because he laughed at it when it was in Twitch chat. The things are different when you're there in person because then it's not so much about your persona, but it's about you as a person too. It's like mm -hmm. you can't disconnect the two entirely like you can online in the same way. Um, that's, that's one thing. Um, the other thing is I think some people, similar to what you said about just being able to joke with you, there's also people that, you know, they because they feel like you're their friend or whatever. They, some people, I don't think I personally really experienced this, but it's like I've heard stories of people like being touchy, you know. Uh, is that the right word for it? Yeah. I don't oh, think if I've you say you're touch, if you say you're touchy, then you're like careful about a subject, right? That's not what I meant. I meant people to... that literally come over and touch. Right. So they're, um, is it feely? No, maybe touchy. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know, I know what you mean. Whatever the. <laughs> you get the idea. Yeah. It's yeah. it's like handsy. Again, it's the handsy. same. Handsy. Exactly. It's the same. It's the same disconnect, right? Between like, how well do you know someone? Can you just go over and, you know, it's fine to ask for a hug, but if someone just comes over straight up and <clears> gives you a hug, <throat> I think I've heard of someone getting slapped on the butt or something. The talent <laughs> that that happens just like uh, that's like, probably happened to me. Really, yeah. dude? Like that's 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 it's pretty messed up, you know. Like when you think about it, you wouldn't do, you wouldn't do this to a complete stranger, right? So think about this: they don't know you, you right. don't know them. It's like if you walk up to a stranger in the supermarket and you just slap them on the butt, and then you just say, "Hey, <laughs> nice shirt." Like what the fuck, man? Like, there, <laughs> nice there's shirt. no way. You, like it's just no. Like you just don't. You know. And that's, I think that's the thing is that you need to remember the personal element. That's like the number one thing. Remember that it's still a person that's there. So if there's something you wouldn't generally do with a random stranger or a person that you just met, it's, there's a good chance that it's in the bad category that you also still don't do. All right. That's yeah. interesting. So that's piggybacking off of this. I wasn't going to even bring this up mm -hmm. actually, because I just thought of it now, but is there an, have we done this before? Is there an experience that stands out to you? In terms of like a positive experience with fans specifically? Because um, one specifically comes <laughs> up with me. And like a specifically positive experience? Yeah. Okay, you go first. So I think this was TI3, I want to say. And we had an autograph booth at TI, uh, you know, where people mm -hmm. come by and scan their badges wherever they get the digital autograph. It was really cool. I think it was TI3. Maybe it was 4. I don't know. Could be, yeah. yeah. Um, and a girl comes up to me. I can't remember the context anymore at all. But suffice to say, I ended up signing her boobs, Cinderin. And I was standing next Excellent. to Nikki, and I gave her a look. Like, is this okay? She's like, she's the one that took the picture. It's <laughs> like, absolutely, <laughs> take it. So that is, uh, that was pretty funny. How about I, you, buddy? I'm not. I don't remember if that happened to me. I I just don't have the. I've same, also you know, signed cleavage of a man, but that wasn't. I don't have uh, the same as charisma enjoyable. as you, so I guess I don't really attract those people. Um, <laughs> yes, charisma. That's no, what it takes. I signed. I, I signed sign <laughs> keyboards and shit. Uh, so I don't know. I don't have like one in particular. There's been some cool moments where people have come up and said, 
you know, like, thank you. I really love the work you do. And then they have like a little gift. That's always really nice that they like thoughtful and bring you something like mm -hmm. a memory. I, I still have this. Uh, I think it was it was an Australian that went all the way to T.I. And then she gave me a little koala plushie that I still have. You know, that kind of thing is really cool because like, again, it's like personal. You you want to do something for someone that brought you a lot of entertainment enjoyment in, yeah. in your, your life. You know, that's that's really cool. Um, there's been this there's this I think it's there's been this girl that I think has been three or four times at TI I think it's been TI maybe it's been other events but I've seen three or four times and she's always equally starstruck it's really funny it's like you've met me two or three times before she's always like oh my god <laughs> that's also kind of funny um yeah um and then yeah finally like I said I, I not like specific instance but just you know people that just come over and just are themselves are natural and just having a conversation just you know just being cool about it is honestly a nice experience for me i really you know that you can just tell that they're having a good time they're enjoying the games and they want someone to talk to it about because they're passionate and then they you know they there's obviously a it's obviously a little different than if they just talk to someone else in the crowd that they just sit down next right. to you like wow that was a cool game right but you know that they're just you know they're just cool about it and they're enjoying themselves that's that's super nice it's that you what just, you want to see, right? Just People based on fun. you talking about this stuff, it reminds me of a couple other short experiences that I've had that were super positive. One was, uh, I think it's when I owned the team and we were in Manila for the Manila Major and I ran into this, uh, this girl who was crazy about the Phoenix Suns. A Filipino, I believe oh. she was Filipino, crazy about the Phoenix. We just it, started talking about the Phoenix Suns stuff. It was not Nikki. She can't stand NBA stuff. It's really annoying, actually. <laughs> but... I, I can't tell you how amazing... First of all, just to find anybody to talk about the Suns with is very difficult for me, Cinderin. To find that in the fucking Philippines in the middle of a Dota 2 tournament is like mind-boggling. It was so cool. And then the third experience that came to mind, also Suns-related, of course, uh, some a guy came up to me at one of the TIs and handed me a picture that he made, uh, an il illustration or whatever, and it, it's Centaur, uh, with a Suns jersey on, it's my favorite player, which he didn't even know apparently, Kevin Johnson, number seven, uh, mm -hmm. bouncing a basketball. If you go to my Twitter, you can see it as the background. It's like the coolest thing anybody's ever made for me. So those are some awesome. things that <clears throat> really enjoyed. Um, Mar Maruna just reminded me of of one more in chat. Mm -hmm. She said, uh, "Talk about the the Philippines." So when I when we went to the Manila Major. One of the customs officers in Manila recognized me. That was also oh. a kind of funny experience. But that's, you know, it's not really the same thing with like, it's not regular fan interaction, but it was just a fun thing that like, that's not something I would expect in any other country. But it's just because right. Dota is so huge in the Philippines that the people that were customs there, uh, he recognized me. And then they had like these, uh, and I think they did this for everyone. They had like these necklaces. Did you get that too? When you arrived in the airport? I was given two I different types of necklaces. Like some classic, uh, some traditional bead necklaces, uh, I think. I that feel like, like they a were Hawaii given to... Thing. <laughs> well, yeah, it kind of looks like it, too. I still have them lying around. I think that's... I don't remember uh, that. Did you have to show I... your boobs for that? No, I did that's not. That's a thing in uh, Louisiana. So it's not the Hawaiian one. <laughs> okay. Well, no, no, the Hawaiian one's not that. Hawaiian one, you get out of the plane right away. They put the lua, I want to say. It's like flowers or something. Oh, yeah, and then, this is a flower one. Right, right. And then if you're in uh, New Orleans, you show your boobs, you get beads around your neck. So if you see a woman with like 50 beads around her neck, oh, if you're watching on video, here's the exact thing that was made for me, Cinderin. Oh, you can yeah, see I've this. seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw it's that one. So yeah, that's cool. really, that's really that's cool. so cool. That's so cool. I was awesome. so happy. It's very awesome. That's awesome. Anywho, 
All right. So okay. that was a lot of stories. That was fun. Yeah, though. that was great. Uh, last thing for before we uh, head out here. Top five, and this everybody's looking forward to this. Top five most annoying heroes in the game. We're gonna rank them. Okay. Okay. Now, I want to say this now, Sindarin. Techies is not allowed to be on here because he's both of our number ones and it makes it less interesting. Is what that do okay? you mean? I had him on the list as number one. <laughs> Pick a fifth. I know. Me too. Okay, so I need to think of one more. Okay, give me a sec then. Because I look at Techies as subhuman. He's not even a hero. He's not really a hero if you think about it. Designed uh-huh. just to annoy people. It's the the mental warfare like Slack's likes, right? So I don't think it's yeah. fair to put him on there because it's everybody's number one. Okay, I just, I think I have found my next one. All right, go five through one. This this goes on my list. You do number, so how do you want to do this? You want to do five, five, back and forth, or just do your list and my list? We can can do that. We can do, we take turns. Okay, number five then. I want to preface it though, because there is a condition for this for me when it comes to most annoying heroes to play against. Because Dota is a very, you know, it's a game where everything has counters. So for my list to make sense and what I really think, it's under the condition that the hero is good in the game, right? Yes. Because you can have a hero that's yes. super annoying and then it's just mega countered and then it's like, <clears throat> ah, I don't fucking care that they picked that right. hero. Or it can be like, oh my God, they just picked that so hero. So I'm going to piggyback off of that. For me, the list is that they're good. It's okay? not just that yeah. they're good. It For me, it's more of a collection of heroes that I've been annoyed with, the most annoyed with in the history of my playing, which is over a decade at this point. Okay. For me, it's so, the current patch. Okay, so for me, it's definitely not current patch, potentially. But some of them have a history, too. They have a very long history. For a long time. Okay, go ahead. Number five. Okay, number five is Io for me. Okay, tell me why. Give me some rant about this hero. So it just barely fell off the list if Techies was on it, and that's because Io has been nerfed. But um, Mm -hmm. in in games, in pubs, there are some players that spam this hero and play it (laughs) countless times. And what makes IO extremely annoying to play against is obviously the whole dynamic of relocate in public games where people are not particularly good at playing as a team and playing the map correctly. Uh, and they're also not particularly good at focus firing their targets. So IO does both things, right? It keeps the guy alive. Your team tries to kill the guy. IO is tethering you, screaming at the top of your lungs, kill the fucking IO. And right. people still hit the guy that it's tethered to. And then while you're like, okay, that fucked up. And now you start, you go back to a farming phase. Then your carry solo farming across the map and gets relocate ganked. That's just mm-hmm. really fucking annoying. So it, it makes okay. the list because techies fell off. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. Um, so I, again, I'm seeing some chat suggestions already on what we should be annoyed with. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to say like things like sniper and troll are not on my list because mm-hmm. I feel like that patch was in the grand scheme of things very brief. True. They were very annoying, okay. but for a very short amount of time. My number five, and this is more prevalent towards the beginnings of my Dota career, if you want to call it a career, uh, mm-hmm. is Venomancer. Very fucking annoying hero. His gale wasn't dispellable until somewhat recent. I feel like it's been a year, maybe? I can't remember. It's mm, Maybe a bit more. But in yeah, the grand scheme of things, very recent. Like, this hero is... Everything slows on this hero. How annoying is that? Damage over time, constantly. Like... He he's got to be top five, Cinderin. Go ahead. Ven- Veno is really annoying for sure. Uh, I could see that. What was the hero you mentioned right before that that you said? Oh, and I, never mind. You didn't mention it. I just came to think about it, but it's not on my list. So never mind. Okay, okay. number four again. Current patch. I've got Morphling. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how if, our criteria are totally different, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> current whatever, patch. You know, all time list. All right. I, I'll give some honorable mention for all time after this. Then. Okay. Uh, fair okay. Enough. So Morphling. Uh, if it has really good morph targets in the enemy team, if you have bad heroes for killing it, you don't have instant stuns, you don't have silences, you don't have heroes that want to buy a vessel, 
And on top of it, if he can turn into your fucking Earthshaker and one-shot your backline, this hero is really, really annoying to play against. And again, same logic as the IO. When it comes to public games, if people are not good enough at focus firing and selecting the correct targets, Morphling is one of those heroes where you deal 4,000 damage to him, don't kill him, and lose the team fight 4-0. So, mm -hmm. yeah, he's very annoying. Okay. That's that sounds fair. Number four for oh, me. Base pin that just showed up for the end of the podcast. He missed his own question for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah, sorry, base pin You're gonna have to watch oh, the uh, the rebroadcast of this. All right, number four for me. And again, this is definitely not current patch. Keeper of the light. Mm. Holy fucking shit! Mana leak, blinding light combo, kill me. That is the most annoying spell. If you had to pick one spell of all time, is the most annoying. So it you is, mean the old mana leak, right? Yes, not the, the old mana. The current one's not yeah. nearly as bad, obviously. Mm -hmm. So Coddle, especially when he was picked all the time and Ags was rushed, like, good God, dude, that hero kill me. He was annoying. He had phases for sure. I would not even put him top 10 now, but over the grand scheme, right. no, I, I can agree. definitely see it being annoying. Okay. All right, now we get to the really annoying shit. This <laughs> is where my list is very clear for me. Mm -hmm. All right, number three is Tinker. Oh, same with me, buddy. Nice. Uh, we align. Yeah. Tinker. <laughs> tinker in pub games. If it's a good tinker game and the guy knows how to play and you just can't fucking end the game and he yeah. gets six slotted, it's really annoying. Um, yeah. And fortunately, it's relatively rare nowadays that, first of all, people play a lot of tinker and that he is a very good pick in the game. Currently, tinker is not that great of a hero in Dota with the yep. tempo of the game being as fast as it is. But when it is good, holy <laughs> fuck is it annoying to play against. Mm -hmm. It's definitely top three for me. I mean, just think of the, the days when he was popular. Historically, it's probably also top three. Yeah. yeah. I would, that's why he's on my list. He, he just never ends. You, the game never ends. The best uh, base defender in the game, probably. Just marching the machines constantly. When you get ags, you have ridiculous range on, or the laser just bounces everywhere. Yeah, that, that here yeah. is the worst. And if you don't have, like, the, like right. you said, the lineup to catch him, that's when it gets yeah. excruciatingly bad. Uh, or a lineup that three. can push his base before he's too strong. Right. That's or number the other two. option, like buying pipes. Okay. Number two for me is, in a similar vein, Arc Warden. Hmm. It's, it's similar logic. Again, if it's a good Arc Warden game, you have bad heroes for killing him or for pressuring his base fast enough, and this guy gets six-slotted. He's constantly split-pushing you. He's super obnoxious to deal with. He solo kills your supports in the back line with his clone. Um, and pushing the base okay, is a nightmare yeah. because of the two bubbles in base. So <clears throat> mm -hmm. he's like a worse version of Tinker for me to play against because he's, he's more often than Tinker, the games get really hard to win. Like even when it's a good Tinker game, sometimes he fucks up. You catch him on a Tinker ward, you kill him once, he uses buyback. You all in dive him and base kill him. Even if you lose your team, your heroes buy back, and then you can go end the game. With Arc Warden, that is so yeah. much harder. He can play super safe. And his clone can deal the damage without even sending his hero there. So that's, that hero, that's a, when it's good, is... So the reason important. he's not on my list is because this is an all-time list. And yeah. I feel like he's only been annoying for a couple of years now. Like, even okay. when he first came out, he I don't think he was annoying at all. He was just garbage, right? When he first came out. That, oh, I don't remember. I don't it's remember been a while. But anyway, uh, number two for me, mm -hmm. and you might be surprised it's number two, not number one, after last week, is the fucking lion! <laughs> I hate <laughs> The reason he's not number one. You have Lion over Tinker. Think about that for a second. Just no, you think, think you shut your mouth in and let me all talk. All time right? most annoying hero, yes. Lion over Tinker. I'm telling you, oh okay. fucking god. When I rage in game, I'm talking about the beginning of time. Dota one. 
lion in mid that's where it started and i have i will agree with you i have a mental block i have a mental issue with this here it's created something in my mind where i despise him and i will agree it's only in the laning stage it's the first 15 minutes of the game this fucking impale that doesn't miss this goddamn mana drain that now slows for god knows what reason this instant hex this ridiculous burst damage this hero is so annoying in the laning stage, in a, especially in a 1v1, which, again, Dota 1 days, that was 1v1. Yeah. You put Lich mid, you put Lion mid. Those are the heroes that are fucking mid. Shadow Demon was a mid hero. I this, hate this Lion! Is, this is definitely the one... I, I guarantee, no matter what your number one is, this is the one we would disagree on the most. I, know. I can't imagine us disagreeing more. He's not even in my top 25. I understand. Like, I'm allowed to have personal hatred for something, all right? Of course. Personal it's bias. your list... You're allowed to have your wrong opinions. Okay, plenty go. of people have those. Give, give your number one, dude. Okay, so since Techies is out, yes. number one is Broodmother. Ooh, okay. When it is the perfect Brood game, and it's a good Brood player, this hero takes over the entire map in 15 minutes, and you just get starved, and you can't fucking play. And you just know you're going to lose. You know what's going to happen. It's just a question about how long is it going to take and how many of your teammates need to go to the wrong area of the map and get killed before that happens. Uh, the reason, this is the primary reason I prefaced it the way I did because this hero is not inherently broken. When it's a bad brood game, the hero sucks. But mm -hmm. when it's the last pick of the draft and the enemy has nothing against it, there's a 90% chance you lost the game in draft. And then when you have to sit through and play the game and play for that 10% and you just see it shrinking to 5 to 4 to 3%, Every going ongoing minute, you know you're losing. It's right. just it's mental warfare. So yeah, okay. That's and fair. historically, Brood would probably be my number one as well over Techies. Actually, Ooh. just because that he's might be more? my number one of all time. No, because his, historically, Brood has always been like that. It's always been the fucking cancer hero of Dota. When you think well, about it, Techies like, didn't used to be good had Brood, back in the day as well, right? It's it's been good and bad, but Brood has always been this last pick menace, right? In every True. patch. In pubs, at least. So, <clears throat> okay. yeah, that hero is All right. absolute cancer. <clears throat> My number one most annoying hero of all time, and I had to think about this because I really wanted Lion number one. I really hate Lion, like I said. But, and this hero, again, isn't really picked that often anymore. There was a time mm. in Dota for, I want to say, a year and a half to two years, and Nikki knows this based on, like, <clears throat> I know I get angry sometimes. I don't get angry at people necessarily, but I will rage at myself just, Gah! And the ones mm -hmm. that make me rage the most, like I become a terrible person almost, is when there was a meta where you just could not finish the fucking game. Mm -hmm. So high ground defenders were the, the creme de la creme. The most annoying hero and the hero that tilts me harder than anything is Quas Wex Invoker. Holy oh. shit. Fucking tornado, EMP, doesn't matter what stage of the game it is. Kill him once, it's okay. And back then you could buy... Uh, buy back even more often oh my god you can never finish the game and you just lose because you end up making a mistake uh because he doesn't have he just sits in his fucking base so late worse. game invoker is really annoying to play against if it's a good player yeah. uh the thing is again from from my perspective with the games that i play uh there are plenty of mistakes made, but they're probably not as crucial, and the games probably don't drag out as long as your games do on average. So generally, <laughs> invokers yeah. in our games don't usually get to that like super late game stage, because what usually happens with invokers is that 
they either win the game when they hit their mid game, like power timing, when they have all their spells that are strong, or they lose the game before they get level 25. So there aren't that many of those like right. super late game invoker instances. But when they do happen, it is extremely annoying. It's, I mean, even I want to go back to a patch a year and a half to two years ago. I was looking at my games game length. I'm not even exaggerating for about a two month period in this invoker uh, time frame, if you want to call it mm -hmm. that. My games were legitimately 55 minutes to an hour average, like miserable wow. games, okay. like hour and a half games yeah. semi-consistently. It's like, and I'm not saying I couldn't do anything about it because I'm just not good enough. Invoker, if you're a good I player, you're just going to destroy everybody. Nowhere. Like it's uh, <laughs> so frustrating. Yeah. So that is that okay. is my list. Okay, I want right. to do my honorable mention. There's one okay. hero that I didn't put on the list because it's not that annoying right now. But of my all time, it's probably top five as well. And that's Naga Siren, I think. Uh, okay, yeah. Would probably make my top five as well. Similar, yeah. again, you can see the pattern in my logic, right, of how I'm thinking it. Yeah. You get to these later stage situations. It's constantly split pushing. You try to take a fight. It uses fucking Song of the Siren. They reset. They defend again. They keep delaying the game. And then when Naga gets six slotted and you don't have heroes that can kill the illusions, you just know you're going to fucking lose. Mm. Uh, the reason this isn't on right now is that I don't think it's a top five annoying hero right now. But of all time in Dota, Naga has been so annoying across <laughs> many years. And it's been like a TI staple too, right? It yeah. was picked a lot at TI2. It was picked at TI3. I think it was played also at TI4, especially until people figured out that TI4, you could just fucking push the game in 15 minutes. People were still playing Great Naga meta. Siren. Yeah. Um, I mean, TI2, every, very, TI2, TI3, it was annoying, booed every time a song went off, right? Yeah. <laughs> ben Arroyo, so yeah. there's a reason I mean, that, that was something, though. Naga has made some great moments in Dota. Don't get me wrong. Like, there's a lot of really hype mm -hmm. moments, like the very iconic TI2 play, right, with the yep. Song of the Siren uh, from Na'Vi or IG against Na'Vi. Um, but the concept of the hero and what it does is just, in a lot of games, really, really, really annoying to deal with. So. I agree. All right. That's honorable mention. I don't know if there's anything else that's an honorable mention. Do you have one? I know. That didn't make the list, but that's still fucking annoying? Not really. I It was pretty strong on those six, if you include techies. Mm, okay. So. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us live and listening to the audio and YouTubes and everything in between. Uh, Sindarin, have you watched In Bruges? Uh, I have not. Not yet. All right. Thank not you yet. for joining us, everybody. Until next time, Suns fan and Sindarin... Signing out. Goodbye. Bye-bye.